Well, here we are, episode one of the Fish On broadcast. I'm your host, Aaron Reed, and I know absolutely nothing about fishing. So let's get started. This is the first podcast I've ever done. This is the first show I've ever really hosted. So I thought what I'd do is I'd start with an introduction of who I am and what we're trying to achieve here today. So an introduction of how we got to this point. Um, Just to give you a background about myself, I'm a cameraman for CTV News here in Ottawa, Um, but it wasn't always that way. I have a serious hobby as a musician. I uh, record my own videos and I do cover songs and I record them to YouTube and uh, it's a lot of fun. Keeps me busy, keeps me off the streets. And uh, in a few days before the lockdown, uh, I purchased a, a new mixer actually and one of the main purposes of the mixer is uh, it's designed for podcasting and at the time I thought well that's a nice little feature but I'll never use it it does so many other useful things that um, if it does podcasting well that's great but I won't need it and don't need to use it and so I started making these videos and I was using the mixer and it's great and I have all this time on my hands with the quarantine and the lockdown and things were going really well so then the pandemic hit and we had the self-distance and self-isolation and because I work in news um, you know it didn't really affect me too much because uh, news is still news I still got to go out there and uh, we're considered an essential service right so um, same uh, same as normal and um, one of the interesting things that I found fascinating about this pandemic is the statistics right looking at things that um, are trending and what people are doing and how things are being affected and looking at these charts. I can't get enough of these charts and they're all over Twitter. And, you know, it's it's so interesting to see this curve going along and then boom. One article I came across um, was talking about the things that um, are the most popular trends right now. And one of them is podcasting. It says, you know, people are self-isolating and uh, they're at home and they put a microphone into their computer and they can invite guests from all over the world wherever they want to and they can talk about whatever they want. And so I thought, well, you know, that's a really good idea. And since I have this mixer, I could do that too. But then I, you know, got stuck thinking about, well, what's it going to be of? You know, could I do a music podcast? Can I do, um, you know, a Beatles podcast? Who knows, right? I mean, the world's your oyster in the podcast world. And, the, and I thought about it for a few days. And, and then I thought, you know what? Podcasting is a lot like a television show. It's not successful unless you have someone who is very knowledgeable about a certain subject and is good at speaking and have an audience that people would want to listen to, right? And so uh, I kept thinking about it and I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to do a podcast, um, it has to conform to the rules of social distancing and Podcasting is perfect because we can do that and contact anybody in the world through technology, right? So a little bit of the backstory is uh, I live in Ottawa, uh, but two years ago I used to work up in Timmins for Eastlink TV. And one of the shows I did while I was up there was a fishing show called Fish On. I'm Paul Etier, host of Fish On on Eastlink Community TV. We've got another action-packed season of walleye, bass and pike fishing throughout northern Ontario. We've challenged some of the best anglers in the area to a day on the water, and we're going to bring you some tips, tricks, and techniques to help you catch more fish. 
And the community producer up there was uh, someone who was very knowledgeable. He was good at speaking. And with the current lockdown situation, I thought, you know what? He would be the perfect guy for a podcast. And so with that introduction, I introduce Mr. Paul Eche, host of The Fishing Show, Fish On, in Northern Ontario on Eastlink TV. Welcome to the show. Hey, Aaron. Thank you very much. And, and again, really good introduction you got there. And absolutely, totally agree with you. I mean, where have we gotten to where we are today is, I think, forms part to our passion. And I hear you talking a lot about your passion for music and your passion for recording. And, you know, and that's where, for me, that's the passion of fishing. So I couldn't be more excited than to join you on this journey that we're following on podcast delivery to our, our audiences, uh, whatever that may be. And you know what else? It, it's really to go from t- television that we, we worked on together to podcasting. It's really a sideways move, right? But, you know, Aaron, like you said, I think uh, conversely, uh, we can talk when we talk about fishing and when I get your production expertise in the mix Uh, we can, I believe, we can develop a great product, be it television or be it podcasts. When you have like-minded individuals that share a passion, although in different formats, we can create excellent content. That's 100% true. So, so Paul, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, Give us a bit of your background um, about the show, about your background in fishing, and a little bit uh, about who you are. Well, so like you, Aaron, I also have a full-time employment. Uh, I've been actually working for 22 years in a social service agency that provides services to children, youth, and families. Uh, Now, my passion is fishing. Uh, Ever since I've been a young child, I've had uh, the love for fishing uh, instilled in me. And uh, only probably in the past five years, uh, six years probably, that I've started competitive fishing. Uh, And uh, we are now going on our fourth season, actually, of producing a local community television show, Fish On. And I can tell you that community TV is near and dear to my heart. It follows the nonprofit values that I have uh, with my employment uh, and also uh, gives back to our communities. And that, for me, is very important. So meeting uh, yourself, Aaron, as uh, you know, I think you did two seasons with us on Fish On!, and your passion to create a product that gives the viewers the standards that I expect in community TV is where we kicked it off. And I think that's why for us, uh, I think we can do a lot of good things because we both have the passion to develop content that's to a standard that we want it to be. So Fish On, two, uh, three years that are aired currently. Uh, we are working on the fourth season right now. Uh, we produce uh, six episodes per season. And actually, you know, the data that we get from Community TV has rated Fish On the number one show in Northern Ontario for the past two seasons. Uh, Fish On is broadcast uh, nationally. Uh, I don't have data for other provinces, but I can tell you that there are over 30,000 regularly engaged viewers to Fish On in Northern Ontario alone. And that's a big deal. That's a big number. You know, when you think of our uh, community, Timmins alone, with a population averaging about 44, 45,000, obviously the Northern Ontario region uh, surpasses that a little bit. Uh, But to have 30,000 viewers in Northern Ontario, I think that is amazing. Absolutely. Um, So let's let's talk about fishing and let's talk about where we are in this pandemic. So what measures 
um, have been implemented by public health and, and how does that affect the angling industry? So I think the key there is that there are significant measures implemented by public health that affect our industry. Uh, the biggest ones in March for us that were implemented were these uh, major gatherings of over 50 people or more were all canceled. And that was a significant impact because this time of year, March, April, May, that is where we have all of our sportsmen shows. I think any community that you go to in Northern Ontario or even Ontario uh, have a sportsman show scheduled this time of year. That is where our retailers can showcase their products, any new products, where you get the anglers excited about fishing. They go out, they look at all the new products, they spend their money there. So I think that, that alone being cancelled has a significant impact on our industry of fishing. So, you know, I think fishing, yes, we can, the social distancing is also a significant contributing factor, um, but we can kind of maintain that. If you're the angler that goes out there alone and you social distance, I think we're okay with that. We also saw Doug Ford that released a, a you know, comment yesterday uh, that basically said uh, fishing is going to open as it should. And I think for Ontario and more specifically, Northern Ontario, that was good news. Yeah, I heard that too. Um, but it, it's kind of um, weird as well, though. This this pandemic has hit just before the season got started. So you have all these people getting ready. Um, and, and now this. And now you've got people who don't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> and, and you're right. I mean, I, I think in, in seasons open and closed in different areas. Uh, so as a, a recreational angler over the winter months, uh, you know, that's, this is our time, you know, we just finished the walleye season up here in Northern Ontario, it actually ended yesterday. So, you know, we've been able to go out and we're still on ice. So we've been able to go out on the ice and maintain, obviously, is the social distancing is the big aspect. So I go out alone, I load my snowmobile, I unload, I go out to the lake, I'm all by myself. So it's been there. But that being said, the issue that I'm experiencing now is the cancellation of our events that are due to happen through the summer months. So the Northern Ontario Walleye Trail canceled their whole tournament season. That's unbelievable. So let's talk about how this um, will affect the marine sector. So, you know, Aaron, I'm, I'm a big believer in statistics and data. And every five years, uh, Fisheries and Oceans Canada released what's called the Recreational Fishing Survey. So there was one in 2010, there was one released in 2015, and there's one due to be uh, tracked for 2020. Now, 2020, we won't get those results until probably a year, year and a half down the road. But if we look at the, the economic, um, uh, the, the economics that, that people spend in fishing, and you know, I'll just give you a, a few stats here. So in 2015, there was more than 3.2 million adults in Canada that actively participate in a variety of recreational fishing activities. So you talk about the impact on fishing and what we're going through now, there should be 3.2 million Canadians affected by this. Now in Ontario alone, that in 2010, uh, 2015 is about 754,000 for the province of Ontario. And that's a pretty big number of affected, uh, uh, you know, residents of, of Ontario. 
when we talk about the marine industry itself, all right, so you talk about marine, you talk about your major purchase investment, right? So boating equipment and vehicles was about $2.6 billion invested, spent in 2015. That's been pretty consistent over the past years. Now, when you add inflation to that, it's, it's a little bit less, but there's still a significant amount of purchases being made by Canadians for boating equipment and sales. So when you think that a marine dealer cannot attend a show, cannot have traffic in his store to look at boats, to influence the potential buyer that's in the market that's looking to upgrade a boat or, you know, that's when these guys sell. This is when people have the itch to get out. The snow is melting, spring is in the air, people are thinking about these purchases, and all of a sudden they can't even go to a marine dealer to look at what they want to purchase. So it is a significant impact. Manufacturers. And this impact, um, it's it's not just fishing or, or the marine sector. It's across the board, right? I mean, it's it's going to hit everybody and uh, specifically retail, right? Retail is feeling it now. There are some retailers that obviously uh, are kind of essential. So we're still able to get, you know, curbside pickups or things like that. So, but what you can't do is you can't actually physically visit the store. When I think of a retailer, I'm thinking fishing tackle, fishing rods. I love to go in. I like to look at the products on the shelf. I like to take the rod in my hand. I like to feel the, you know, the action of the rod. I'll go from a fast tip to a, you know, a, a, a medium heavy rod. So I get to feel it. I get to see it. When you're looking at virtual purchasing, it's not the same. Yeah, and I'm like that too. With even with my musical gear, I, I I'm very hesitant to order anything online. I, I I like going in the stores, and I like seeing that it can do what I need it to do or feel the way I need it to feel. Right. Um, and and you know the, the other significant impact here is of course tourism. Right. Everyone hits the trails in Northern Ontario. Right. Aaron, Northern Ontario is the home of lodge operators. The pristine natural resources that we have to offer, the seclusion that everybody's looking for to get out to a secluded area where it's fisheries that you can't touch. You know, we have a lot of fly-in camps. We have a lot of uh, lodge operators that are on secluded water bodies. These lodge operators book their whole summer by attending sporting events, sportsman shows that were now canceled. So these people have no bookings. They don't know when they can open. We definitely know that they are closed at this time. So how are they going to be able to recover from this significant economic impact that COVID-19 is bringing? Yeah. And, and on top of that too, right? A lot of this is seasonal, right? So even if they started up in July, let's say, like you've lost a lot of time where people might just say, you know what, we'll do it next year. It's going to be a significantly hard for them to recover from this. Absolutely. We know there are a lot of federal programs and provincial programs to help these business owners. But I think the tourism industry, and I mean, we're talking tourism. We're talking restaurants. Even as you get somebody that's coming here that's going to a lodge, they're going to stop and eat at some restaurants in our areas. They are they are going to be significantly impacted. Now, are they going to be able to recover? I think we need to classify that a little bit different where a restaurant may be able to operate in the winter months. Like you said, they are not seasonal, but a lodge operator 
is seasonal. And are they going to be able to recover from this? And that that's going to be our determining outcome here. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and you know, the government is providing various forms of, of stimulus to help people uh, get through this and to, to maybe get outside, you know, eventually. <laughs> but realistically, um, fishing is somewhat seasonal, right? So it really won't be until next spring until things start to rebound, right? And, and that's exactly, we don't know what the outcome is going to be, uh, but I hope for myself that we do see a rebound. And I think there's a lot of uh, things that are going to have to happen in order for us to support uh, all of the areas we talked about. So the marine dealers, the manufacturers, the retail outlets, as well as the lodge operators in the tourism sector that we're going to have to. So you talked about the economic benefits that the federal government is doing now. I think those are benefits that are helping the day-to-day person get by in this pandemic. But after this, we're going to have to stimulate the economy again. There's going to have to be some stimulus packages out that the government puts out for people to be able to afford to buy or contractors afford to build. And, and we're going to have to stimulate that economy again. Yeah, and, and one of the, the problems that I've been reading about with, with this disruption is that usually with a recession, one of the things that rebounds it is is uh, the consumer buying stuff. Well, if they've lost their job or they don't have any money or they lost their savings, well, that doesn't exist for the economy to recover, right? And that's, I mean, if we're getting into now, how are we going to recover from this in, in, in you know, as COVID-19 is, is affecting us currently? And that's where I think personally we have to, we're going to, so for me, currently, my income is not affected. Um, I, I have my pay, I am working from home, uh, this is where we're going to need all of the residents in your local communities. If you're thinking of buying a new fishing rod and you've held off and you're uh, financially able to do so, go out and support your local retailer. Go out and buy that fishing rod. There will be a significant amount of rebates available from manufacturers that are going to be passed down to retailers. It's going to be a very aggressive market and you're going to be able to shop for good deals. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think people will be so, so crazy to, to get out there that, you know, they they will go out there and get that rod that they've been looking for or, or thinking about, you know. Um, so another thing I want to talk about, you know, everybody knows about social distancing and I would have thought fishing would be one of the most perfect examples of social distancing. Right. But unfortunately, there are, there are certain rules that apply that I've heard. You know, people aren't allowed to go to the cottage, but they are allowed to do shore fishing. So what has social distancing done to affect the recreational angler? So, Aaron, I can tell you social distancing, uh, it's a significant impact because with angling comes the camaraderie. And you know from fish on how much we banter each other, how much we tease each other, how we have that always communicating with each other, you know, that that's what we're lacking right now. So as an angler, I can do my sport. I can go out there. I can be alone. But the most fun is when you're in a group of people and you have these little mini tournaments or mini bets or mini sidebars. So the, the, the fact that you can't chum around with your regular fishing buddies and go out on adventures and get stuck in the mud and have to pull your truck out 
that's the issue that we're facing right now. And I think that the issue that we're, we're feeling is the mental illness of it. It will play, play a little bit of a portion on our mental illness. This time right now is when for me it's closed. So fishing is closed. So I, I, I can't have buddies over to talk about fishing. I can't go out and see my marine dealer and look at electronics and play in my boat with a buddy. So this will have a significant impact on our mental health. And how are we going to deal with that? So what, what can a person do to be able to overcome those? And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, we did a, an episode last year that, that focused on th- that and, and the relief that fishing provides for people who, who need that um, release, you know? Exactly. You know what? That, that comes to mind now. Great that you brought it up. I mean, fishing for some people is a very good coping mechanism for their mental illness. And, uh, you know, and, and okay, we can maybe do fishing and we can do it alone. But when you do it with one of your best buddies or your child or, uh, you know, your somebody that you do tournaments with, that is where you reap the full benefits of it. You can have that conversation in a boat with one of your childhood friends. And that's right now is what we're hoping uh, there'll be some, um, lifting of the social distancing measures for the summer months but again we got to believe in our public health right we got to trust what our public health tells us in order to keep flattening this curve and for me personally that's what's going to be followed i will be able to fish i will be able to go with my son or my wife because they are family members uh but that that's the extent of it at this time but at the same time though they're telling people not to leave your house so is it different and maybe uh, northern Ontario than it is in, in southern Ontario? Well, and again, Aaron, these are my opinions. Um, so I, I really don't know. I think I think it is different in northern Ontario than in southern Ontario. So what I could tell you is I do have a recreational property. It's on Matogany Lake. If I choose to go there during this pandemic, I am not affecting any different major hospital. So if I were to become ill, I'm still coming back to the Timminson District Hospital. Uh, I am not uh, in. So I think the difference is that our geography in the north land base is so much bigger that for us to go to my cottage, I'm in the same jurisdiction as I would be at home. Whereas in Toronto, if you're leaving the major urban center and you're going to the Muskoka, there is another hospital there. Yeah, and that that's a very good point because I was going to mention that when Doug Ford says don't go to the cottage, he's he's talking about the Muskokas because Northern, Northern Ontario is a totally different beast. Well, and again, we I personally do look into that. I make sure that I do not put stress on another major healthcare center. Uh, and because if I'd have to go to Sudbury to my cottage where I'm in the Sudbury hospital, I don't think I would attend because now I'm putting, I'm putting stress on a different medical system, a different ambulance system, a different area. Whereas if I get sick at home or if I get sick at my recreational property, I'm in the same jurisdiction as I would be at home. So uh, we, we touched on this a little bit, but how, how can anglers continue to enjoy their sport during the pandemic? Well, and I think that's where it's important. I think anglers do, uh, again, we heard from Doug Ford. We he heard it's going to be open as normal, and it's going to be to make sure you follow social distancing. So uh, we hope that if you do have the equipment, or even if you don't, there is so much bodies of water in northern Ontario that you can go find yourself a secluded area. You'll be all by yourself, and then that's when you'll be able to find area. Now, with that comes the fact that you've got to exercise caution. You don't want to go on a trail that's full of mud that you're going to get your truck stuck and we have to get people out to get you there because then you won't be able to follow the social distancing policy. So 
be safe, be smart, go to an area that's secluded, cast the line off the shore. If you have a boat and there are people at the boat ramps, wait your turn. Our boat ramps are so many around and uh, we don't have the major population, so I don't anticipate any problems there. But we hope that, you know, like Doug Ford said, put your boat in the water, maintain your distances. You know, there's so many areas that you can fish in a regular day, you don't see anybody on the water. There may be 20 boats on our water systems and you won't see nobody. Well, and that's a good point because I, I was just going to mention that. Like, even when we were filming the show last year and everything was open, we barely saw anybody. <laughs> that's right. So that's an advantage that we do have in Northern Ontario. Uh, now, we're not encouraging people to come from Southern Ontario to do Northern Ontario because obviously that wouldn't follow the current guideline. Uh, but if you're from Northern Ontario and you have access to get out there and do it, for your mental health, I would uh, strongly encourage it. So one of the things that blows my mind about this pandemic is it really doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you work. Everybody is affected by this one way or another. So we're all in the same boat. Perfect metaphor for a fishing podcast. <laughs> but um, how will this change moving forward? Well, I think moving forward, I think one of the major impacts are going to be those uh, um, major events where there is a lot of people attending. So if I think of the boat show in Toronto every January where there are thousands and thousands of people, I don't know if that's still going to be happening next January. Uh, our sportsman shows where there's major gatherings of people, that's where I'm anxious to see uh, what the social distancing guidelines are going to be moving forward because I think they might be affected. Uh, I think people are going to have to change the way they also uh, are out there socially. So grocery shopping, is it going to be the same? Uh, I think our tournament trail, so the Northern Ontario Walleye Trail that is cancelled this year, I think we're going to have to implement a lot of different measures where, uh, you know, the, the meetings that's held on the Friday night, uh, maybe it'll be a virtual meeting. Uh, you know, things like that, that we're going to have to change in order to review, you know, and I think a lot of the uh, infectious control people are going to tell us that there's a lot of data being collected right now. Uh, there's a lot of opinions. We'll see what happens. We're going to see uh, the outcome, hopefully within the next three, four months of how this is going to play out. And, and I think you make a good point there because obviously we're in uncharted territory and nobody really has an answer for anything. Um, but yeah, come come January or come the spring, are, are these people going to look at maybe scaling things back a little bit or moving things online and, and taking this time now to get that kind of ready for the rush, right? Um, but, you know, the, the big question on anybody, everyone's mind now is when will this be over? Like, what are your thoughts? Trump wants things to open up and Europe is still having a fairly high death rate. Canada, I believe, implemented the measures quickly. Um, and, and again, there are different opinions out there, but the data speaks for itself. There's a lot of data out there. You have to find a trusted source. But we are definitely our healthcare system is managing it right now. Uh, we are not on overcapacity. Um, I think if we continue with the measures in place and follow the opinion of public health, I think you nailed it on the head. I think Canada was ahead of, of this and uh, implemented the measures quickly enough where we have some sort of control as best as it is that our healthcare system is not taxed. And so one of the things I want to ask you about with your um, financial background is that 
I'm not sure we can really count the 2008 recession as a comparison to what we're going through now, right? And some people have even gone as far as saying this is a depression, you know, once we come out of this. So how long do you think it will take to recover from this? Well, Aaron, I think there's a lot of considerable factors here is that all depends on the stimulus packages set forth by government. All depends on the interest rates, the Canadian dollar for investments. Uh, you know, that is one area that plays a major portion for ourselves in the English industry is the Canadian dollar. A lot of our products are imported from the U.S. Uh, and I could tell you personally, my boat, my uh, 2020 boat that I get from Lund is not across the border yet. And the Canadian dollar is lower and that has an impact on me. I will have to pay more for my boat this year because of the Canadian dollar. So, uh, but vice versa, a low Canadian dollar encourages the American residents to come to our operators' lodges and resorts for tourism. So they take advantage of a low Canadian dollar. So if the borders can open up and we can get there, hopefully with the economy, if we can have packages out where we, we stimulate the American people to come enjoy our Northern Ontario waters with our lodges and resorts, taking advantage of a low Canadian dollar, that's going to help. Um, if we can also uh, have our investments and, and the stock markets that are, you know, somewhat catching up a little bit now, they take a major hit, uh, but they are making some grounds. There are some investments that are, you know, safer than others. Uh, but that, like you said, we'll have to wait and see. I anticipate hopefully 18 months to 24 months to recover. If we can do it sooner, I think that's a much better position to be in. Yeah, of course. But the thing is, is, even with these stimulus packages and stuff and, and getting people to go out and to travel again, you're, you're still looking spring, right? I don't see any recovery really happening in the fall, right? I personal opinion, again, I don't think we're going to be back working from the office till I would assume June 30th. I think you hear a lot of June 30th dates right now. Um so, you know, and and that's, again, with releasing a limited uh, group of social distancing guidelines so it won't be fully open. There will be a planned approach, and I'm anxious to hear that, what that planned approach is. I think we heard some in the U.S. right now that they're looking at a phased in, and I think that's what, what they're recommending on a public health side. So, as, as you know, as much as we can see, I hope that we can have some guidelines in place that our, our marine industry, that our retail shops can, you know, open up and maybe let five people in the store at once and, you know, just to get them rolling a little bit to get their feet wet again and, and get some sales going. Uh, that's that's what we're going to be um, anxious to see. I wanted to ask you about the, uh, obviously, there's a lot of um, financial repercussions of this, but I wanted to talk about the fish themselves. Like, how will this pandemic f affect the lakes if nobody's fishing and and you think about the invasive species and, and, and uh, you know, the regular spawning. Like, how is that all going to be affected? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, Aaron, the things that we have, the, 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 you know, for our natural resources, obviously the limits uh, of walleye that you can uh, keep uh, implemented by the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry, I mean, they're there for a reason. Uh, and, you know, if you think that people are not going to be able to go out and fish and consume fish, so, you know, take their four fish according to the guidelines, bring them home and consume them, uh, that's, that's interesting, uh, very interesting to see. And I think 
you know, it would be nice to get a biologist approach on this because, you know, every year people take out their fish. That leaves room for the population to grow. It, it, it you know, it, it has the forage in the lake to increase so that, you know, you take out more fish, the forage increase, fish have more to eat, they grow more. So it's the whole biology of it that I think there could be an impact. You know, if you have the people that aren't consuming the fish in the lakes that you go or the tournaments, right? Some tournaments have full calls. Uh, whereas I know of a tournament that take out, out of a lake all the pike that's caught. Um, and if that, you know, that tournament did occur, but next year, if it can't occur, uh, that's a significant impact is that pike is a predatory fish. And uh, this lake actually has a restocking program for walleye. So if the pike are in abundance, then the walleye fingerlings can't go in, they get eaten up. So you don't get the reproducing uh, that you typically get. Um, so it, it will definitely have an impact. Well, thanks for joining us today, Paul, and I hope our listeners found this information to be very informative. And we really hope to turn this show into a weekly podcast that will evolve and get better as we go along. We're all in this together, so sit back, enjoy the show, and as Paul says... And we're going to bring you some tips, tricks, and techniques to help you catch more fish. Until next time.